Greetings, Gospel Hope. Manuel Sanchez here. Today I have the privilege to open up God's Word uh, with you. But before I do that, I would like to say a word of uh, thanks to you, uh, Gospel Hope Church, and Pastor Ryan and Pastor Rod, for the way you have loved uh, and welcomed our family to be part of your church here. As you know, we are in the process of getting ready to move to, to the Dominican Republic next year. I plant a uh, gospel preaching church in the city of Santo Domingo, and your generosity makes that uh, possible in the process. Lord willing, we're hoping to plant Iglesia Ciudad de Gracia, Grace City Church in the city of Santo Domingo. And our vision is to display the grace of Jesus and his kingdom to our city and the world. I would ask you to continue to pray for us as we embark in this journey to reach people with the gospel in the Dominican Republic and Lord willing in Latin America as well. Before I open up God's word, allow me to pray. Father, come before you aware of my uh, weakness, uh, but also very aware of your power, of your greatness, and of how you use the weak and feeble and meek uh, for your glory and honor. And I pray that you would guide my words, my thoughts, as I uh, walk our church through Daniel chapter 6. Help us walk away with a greater understanding of who you are and the beauty of Jesus, even in this passage. In your name I pray. Amen. As we continue our series in the book of Daniel, we now find ourselves in chapter 6. We took a break last week and we're jumping right back on it right now in chapter uh, 6. Here's an important review for us to understand what's going on between chapter 4, chapter 5, and chapter 6. In chapter 5, King Belshazzar and some of his friends had a foolish idea of bringing out the golden vessels that had been taken out of the house of God in Jerusalem, and they drank from them. They had a, they had a feast, and that dishonored the Lord. God comes into the scene and writes a message on the wall. Nobody knows what the message means, what the message says, so they called Daniel to interpret the dream. The message pretty much said, King Belshazzar, because of your foolishness and, and your arrogance, you are going to die even tonight. Your kingdom has been taken away from you. And then we read in chapter 5, verses 30 and 31, that very night, Belshazzar, the Chaldean king, was killed. And Darius the Mede received the kingdom being about 62 years old. Now, King Darius is the new person in charge, and like, many, like, and like in many transitions of power and government, he's appointing new leaders to serve in his kingdom. There's a big transitional leadership here, new government coming into place. Here's his plan. I'm going to appoint, he says, 120 satraps to oversee the kingdom. That tells you of the, the vastness of this kingdom. These satraps were like governors that dealt with the civil and financial matters in their respective uh, regions. As you can imagine, there was a lot of corruption going on during that time, especially when you talk about money and power in a massive, broken empire. Darius knows this very well. And the passage tells us that so that the king might suffer no loss, he then assigns three men to oversee the 120 satraps that were leading and overseeing the whole kingdom. Out of those three satraps, one of them stood out, Daniel. This did not sit well with the other leaders 
and they devised a plan to literally kill Daniel simply because they don't like him at all. Oh, church, this is a historical event full of drama and conspiracy of evil men in a very broken, corrupt society that now bluntly are, are persecuting the man of God, Daniel. And yet, it is in that very hostile world that we see Daniel, an 80-year-old man, thrive and remain faithful to his God, even when his own life is at stake. Church, kings, presidents, world leaders come and go, but our God never changes. He's never put out of office. He's actually the one who appoints kings and removes kings, and his kingdom has no end. So today, I just want to remind you of this very important truth. We must trust in the character of our unchanging God in a world that is always changing. Let me say that again. We must trust in the character of our unchanging God in a world that is always changing. How did Daniel make it in, in such a hostile world? That's the question we are going to answer this morning with three main points that we're going to develop this morning. So the first one is, Daniel survived or Daniel modeled his trust in the character of his unchanging God, first of all, by faithfully pursuing excellence in his work and life. Faithfully pursuing excellence in his work and life. You see in verse number three, for example, it says, then Daniel became distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him. Towards the end of uh, uh, verse four, he says he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. Another versions would say simply he was uh, faithful, diligent, and trustworthy. Daniel did not use his position and influence to seek his own selfish ambitions or gain. He was committed to preserve the honor and integrity of his God as he served in a pagan kingdom. It's, a, it's almost as if Daniel is remembering uh, the, the words of the prophet Jeremiah in Jeremiah 29, 7, when he says, Seek the welfare of, of the city where I have sent you into exile, and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for it is, for in it, for in, it, in their welfare, you will find your welfare. So in such a hostile, difficult environment and world, like Daniel, like the one Daniel was living in, notice how he faithfully pursues excellence in everything he does in his relationship to his position as a governor or as one of the three main leaders in, the, in this new uh, kingdom under King uh, Darius. His performance was, his desire was to perform as unto the Lord, not as unto men. And he was excellent in everything he did. So the temptation for Daniel could have been, you know what, I've been serving here for 50 plus years in this kingdom. And right now, I'm on my 80s. I am tired of being persecuted by many, many people in, during all these years in many different ways. I just give up. I just, I want to close shop and uh, I don't want to do this anymore. But no, Daniel, even at his old age, 
he continues to be faithful to his Lord and he's committed to excellence in his work even when the world around him is hostile towards him and towards his God. Daniel is living out, fleshing out Matthew chapter 5 verses 13 and 14 where Jesus calls us, calls the believers, you are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? Then in verse 14, Jesus says, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. So what Jesus is saying to us, to believers, is let me remind you that salt has the power, the ability to preserve certain foods or certain goods so that they, they last longer, so that they don't go to waste. And Daniel understood that he was salt in a broken and pagan kingdom full of corruption, full of uh, love of, for money and power and ambitions and personal ambitions. And Daniel said, I am committed to do the best I can to preserve the goodness and the good of God even in this corrupt, hostile society and city today in this world. And this brought persecution to Daniel. They dug dirt as much as they could, and they could not find anything to accuse him of. So they pursued not only Daniel, but the God of Daniel. And this reminds, reminds us in, Daniel, in John chapter 16, verse 33, how Jesus says, In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So what does Daniel do? He works hard even in the midst of persecution in a hostile environment. What Daniel teaches us here, church, is this. His work ethic was a reflection of his devotion to God. Daniel's work ethic was a reflection of his devotion to God. You and I live in a very hostile world. Whether you work uh, in the marketplace or even in the church, we are going to experience certain difficulties due to our sinful nature. Are you pursuing excellence in your work as a demonstration of your devotion to Christ? Sadly, many Christians today are not living this out in the marketplace or in the church. I'm not saying that we need to pursue perfection. I'm not saying that we need to be perfectionists. Daniel was not a perfectionist. No, but we pursue excellence when we do our best with the resources and abilities that God gives us today in our hands so that we entrust what he has given us, we do our best with them, and then we leave the results up to the Lord. So, this idea here, point number one, Daniel, in spite of the hostility, he was so committed and so devoted to Jesus, to God, in his time, that he pursued excellence in his work. He wanted to display the glory of his God through his work. Number two, Daniel not only pursued excellence in his work, but also he faithfully walked with God. He faithfully walked with God. As we read through the book of Daniel, we found him, we find Daniel to be a man of faith, a man of devotion, a man that pursued God with all his might. You can almost see the life and character of Daniel in Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, when the psalmist says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight, 
is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Daniel walked with God. He was a godly man. He understood that apart from God, he could not do anything. He understood that the blessings that he had received and the positions that he had acquired throughout his life were given to him by God. And he always, he always devoted himself to God and his cause. But we see his faithfulness in, in the way he walks with God through his humble prayer through his humble, regular prayer. Look with me in verse number 10. It says, When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went into his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. So I want you to highlight a few, few sentences here. The first one is, he, uh, he prayed three times a day, and then he gave thanks to God, and lastly, he, as he had done previously. Daniel understood that every trial in life is a test of one's character. He understood that. My character is being tested. And as a result, not only was Daniel not discouraged uh, to continue his devotion towards God, but he even had a desire to immediately run to God and seek his face in the middle of this difficult trial. His life was at stake. Prayer, church, is a good place to go when we find ourselves being tempted. When you find yourself being tempted, we learn from Daniel that prayer is a, it's a good place to go. It's a good desire. It's a good thing to run before the Lord in prayer. Daniel's consistent relationship with God kept him prepared for unexpected testing. Because Daniel was regularly walking with God, he was equipped, ready, prepared to know what to do when things, when the fire, when temptation, when, when the stress, when persecution came his way. It's interesting how it says here, went up to his upper chamber, open toward Jerusalem. It is interesting here because many people say, many authors say that the side of the holy temple was, was uh, in, in Jerusalem. So Daniel was praying towards Jerusalem. Even though the temple had been destroyed, Daniel was praying with a hopeful heart from the, uh, remembering the promises of God that said, that God said that he was going to rebuild his temple. So Daniel prays towards Jerusalem is a demonstration of his faithfulness and passion and devotion to God and his trust in the promises of God. God, I pray towards Jerusalem because I know one day you're going to restore your temple where you live, where you show yourself mighty and strong in the presence of your people. I would argue to say that Daniel's consistent prayer life made him a man uh, bold, a bold man of faith in all his days. Now, prayer is a humble submission to God that gives us access to him, to adore him, and to give thanks as we bring our requests before him. 
Prayer is a humble submission to God that gives us access to openly bring our adoration and needs before God with thanksgiving. So what does Daniel do? He humbly submits to God through prayer. It tells you his heart had a predisposition to always run to him. Always run to his God. It reminds me of Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, when Paul says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Here's what, I go, here's what I'm going after here. Our prayer lives oftentimes will serve as an indicator of how much we depend on God. Do you want to know how much you're resting in the Lord? Do you want to know how much you are trusting in the promises of God, in the sovereignty of God? I'm not saying this to, to, to accuse you or to accuse my heart, but it's a good indicator. It's a good wager of how I am trusting in the Lord. You just look at your prayer life. Our prayer, life, our prayer lives often time will serve as an indicator of how much we depend on the Lord. And Daniel had developed... I believe what I, I have uh, uh, called uh, prayer reflexes. Where Daniel, we see in the passage, he prayed three times a day and he had usually done. So Daniel had a formal time of prayer, three times a day. But you can also see it implicit in the passage that, that Daniel not only prayed three times a day, the, the, the person that is so devoted to God not only has a formal times of prayer, but also has regular times of prayer throughout the day. Daniel was pretty much living out what the Apostle Paul says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 17 and 18. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. So Daniel had, had developed throughout his young Christian life, as following God in, Bab in, in Babylon at the end, at the beginning in chapter 1, and now the way to chapter 6, and even in chapter 7, we find him praying and confessing his sins and the sins of his people. Daniel had developed prayer reflex or reflexes that constantly allowed him to be in the throne of grace, praying to God. And that, that's what it means to pray without ceasing. So, when social media overwhelms us with all the political drama we face today and fear begins to creep in, we, we attack that fear or thought with a prayer reflex. We immediately say, instead of going online and retweeting that or, or posting something on Facebook, the first step I'm going to do is I'm just going to quickly and briefly pray right away instead of letting that thought grow in my heart. In my commute to and from work, someone comes to mind, uh, a friend or a brother in Christ who is going through a situation. My reflex is to, ought to be to pray for that person in that moment. Yes, even in the crazy traffic here in Atlanta. Whether we like it or not, whether we like or not, the results of the election, my, my reflex is to pray right then and say, Lord, you are king. And I need to find my joy and hope in you, not in the blue party or in the red party. I pledge allegiance to the King of kings and Lord of lords, the God who never changes. Because Daniel had developed those prayer reflexes 
what he, the only thing that he could do when he heard that his life was at stake was to go to God in prayer. And, and, and for us, it seems a little bit odd that he would do that. You know you're going to die. Why don't you pray with your windows closed? Why don't you go to your basement? Why don't you hide? Why don't you close the windows? Well, Daniel had developed this devotion to God, this prayer reflexes. So when he heard the, the, the bad news about his life being at stake, because he had done it, because he had developed that in his walk with the Lord, he simply did what he knew what to do. I'm just going to pray right then, right now, right here. But the passage continues to say, he says that he gave, he gave thanks to the Lord. So, we not only ought to pray, but also ought to give thanks. And briefly, I would say thanksgiving, what it, what it does, it helps us redirect my heart to the work of God in the past, to his mercy in the present, and his grace in the future. And he gives us peace and hope. Have you been there where you are so overwhelmed? Whatever it is that is, that is uh, attacking your faith or fear is, is crippling in, or even the, the situation right now, the political uh, uh, scenario that we find ourselves in today in the United States. Have you ever been there where, where you are so overwhelmed with those sins, but when you stop and you give thanks, you remember that God has been faithful in the past. His promises are true, and His mercy is present today. The Bible says in Lamentations that His mercies are new every morning, and His grace in the future is secure and then you find peace Daniel walked with God finally Daniel faithfully rested in the justice and wisdom of God so how did Daniel survive this hostile world well first of all he he uh, resolved to work hard and to pursue excellence in his work he was a man that walked with God and thirdly he rested in the justice and wisdom of God. King Darius comes early in the morning to see what had happened to Daniel. And he comes and he says, Daniel, are you alive? Pretty much. And Daniel says, yes, I'm alive. The Lord came and shut the lion's mouth. Divine intervention had to happen to rescue Daniel in that moment. Something that the human power of the king could not do. At the end, Daniel was vindicated and God was glorified. Even if Daniel was not delivered from the lions, then God would have been glorified in his sovereign plan and in his sovereign wisdom. In the midst of such injustice today, this message, this passage reminds us that the guilty and unjust will not go unpunished. The Lord did justice to Daniel. He vindicated Daniel. God sees and knows everything, and he will execute justice in his perfect time, church. A perfect illustration is that Daniel's name means God is my judge, and the supreme God overturned the accusation against Daniel. And his enemies were crushed by the same lions that they were expecting would crush Daniel's life. The world that we live today, church, the world that we face in in our days today, it is very hostile and difficult. We all know that. 
the temptation. Our world today rejects godliness as well. The, the, the pressures of philosophy, of fleshly desires like immorality, envy, jealousy, and many others are present everywhere we go. Many of us can be uh, here this morning feeling trapped by the strong and evil temptations of this world or even your own heart, becoming even very dull to God. I don't have, you might be saying, I don't even have spiritual disciplines like Daniel. I'm not pursuing excellence in my work. I'm not a man of prayer. I'm not praying. My prayer life stinks. And I would say, welcome to the club. We know we all don't have a perfect prayer life. And you might be saying, I'm oftentimes leaning more towards what the world says. And God's word is, is becoming secondary to me. So I'm, I'm, I'm worried about my own heart. And I would say this, as great as Daniel's life and testimony is, we don't fix our eyes simply in the moral example of Daniel's life. If you read the text carefully, you will notice how God gives us certain clues and pictures of someone greater than Daniel. It would be a disservice to you and to me for me to you, for me to say to you today, be like Daniel. And this is the way this passage is oftentimes preached. Be like Daniel. And it would be a disservice. And I'm going to tell you, let me tell you why it would be a disservice to you for two reasons. One, Daniel is not the main character in this story. God is. If you look at verse 19, the king says, All Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God. Again, Darius is just bringing out the name of God. He's relying on the, on the fact that God, the, the powerful creator of the universe, is on Daniel's side. Verse 22, Daniel replied, My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth. At the end, on verse, uh, halfway through verse 20, 23, he says, Daniel, uh, he ordered Daniel to be taken out of the, of the den. And then he says, because he had trusted his God. So if I come here today and say to you, be like Daniel, I'm doing a disservice to you. Because the character here, the main character in, the, in this story here is God himself. And then Darius tells us, he, he helps us understand who is the main character. In verse 26, he says, all my royal dominion people and people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God. And then verse 27, he delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. The main character here is our God. So if I simply say, be like Daniel, you will be frustrated and discouraged because we all fall short of living like him. And even Daniel was a human, sinful servant of God. And being like him is not enough. But what, I, but what I can confidently say to you is this. Listen, look at Jesus in Daniel. Whom like Daniel was innocent, persecuted, and falsely accused, and condemned to death. Like Daniel, Jesus was placed in a cave or some sort of a cave or a tomb. Like Daniel, through, uh, through the power of God, he conquered much more than just hungry lions, but he conquered sin and death. 
When we put our trust in Jesus, we can bank in the fact that we are secure in him. Paul puts us, Paul, the Apostle Paul puts us this way, for I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers. And Daniel would say, nor lions, nor things, presence, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor, nor height, nor death, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. I tell you today, look at Jesus and find the, the clues and the perfection and the beauty and the power and the authority of Jesus in the life and story of Daniel. Christ died on the cross for inconsistent sinners like you and me that oftentimes are not pursuing excellence in our work, in our workplace, that oftentimes are not being salt and light, that oftentimes are not praying like we should, but he died on the cross to make it possible for you and me to be faithful to him in a hostile world like Daniel in his days. And if we are faithless, he remains faithful. The cross gives us hope. So look at Daniel. And as you look at Daniel, see Christ. See a picture of the Christ that was to come. Jesus is our hope. Oh, church, let us run to the cross and in Jesus be embraced by the power of his life, death, and resurrection. As a way of pastoral application, two things that I just want you to remember and walk away from this uh, practically. One, do not underestimate your influence to be salt and light in your workplace. Not only your workplace, but in your neighborhood, who you hang out with, who you talk to. We live in a hostile and broken world and do not underestimate the power that you have in Christ to be salt and light. So pursue excellence in everything you do as a demonstration reflection of your passion and devotion for Christ. And, seek, and second, seek to implement both formal and informal rhythms of prayer in your life. Yes, have that time in the morning or in the afternoon or in the evening to pray to God, but also pray and ask the Lord to give you those reflexes where you are praying without ceasing, regularly praying. And we find ourselves like Daniel, that when circumstances are not favorable or when things are rough, what we do is just what we regularly do. We just pray. Oh, what a difference it would make in our world today if we develop these reflexes and this devotion to God. Allow me to pray. Father, you're good, kind. Be with us as we continue to study uh, the life of Daniel, Lord, for a few more weeks. To you be the glory and honor, and thank you for the hope we find in Jesus in the story of Daniel. In your name we pray. Amen.